In a world where James Franco is still considered a credible actor and Mike Busey can open a place called the Sausage Castle, one podcast will rise. One podcast will take a stand. Its hosts steadfast and strengthened by snark and snobbery. This podcast is Cinema Geekly. Time for the Cinema Geekly Podcast, episode 143. Uh, I'm not going to bother directing you to the premium site just yet. We're still working on getting new content up there. I did put up Glenn's uh, Glenn and Ty's E3 discussion from, <laughs> from a couple of months ago, discussing something that was even more months ago, I think, uh, from that discussion. Uh, they talked about E3. Uh, you can go you check know what? that out. Ben's going to get around to posting our one we did in England. Oh, the so. food one. Yeah, yeah, the food one. The food one. The food podcast. Um, yeah, Benjamin, get on the ball, sir. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not going to bother uh, directing you. Yeah, he shouldn't care about the client since the state doesn't. So, Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Um, all right. So I mean, a push for me to be a party, a Tory party candidate. <laughs> that was that was your pitch. Good yeah, you're throwing your hat in the ring. Um, oh, it looks like Ken Paxson's gonna win it for us this next go around since he said some obnoxious things. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's let's hop into uh, some of the things that have happened since the the last go around on the old Cinema Geekly podcast. Uh, there was a brand new Star Wars Rogue One trailer that dropped. I stayed up, Glenn, watching the Olympics, waiting for the actual premiere. And I thought maybe that they would show this trailer at maybe, say, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern. Uh, because that would maybe be a prime, what, maybe have the most eyes on it. And it didn't happen. So I'm like, oh, well, maybe at 9.30? No. At 10? No. I think it happened sometime before 10.30 and it kind of just came out of nowhere. Hmm. Uh, it was just weird. It's like, let's throw it to Ryan Seacrest, who then threw it to the trailer. Um, so I watched A Ryan it. Seacrest type. Yeah. I then, so I, I watched it there. Uh, but then, of course, I've, I've since watched it uh, a couple more times. Uh, what 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 do you make? There was obviously a lot of new footage. There was a Darth Vader tease, a very Darth Vader tease. Uh, so what what did you make of the uh, the second one trailer? <laughs> I honestly, I watched it, but I couldn't tell you a damn thing that happened in it. <laughs> there wasn't, I mean, there was a, I, I feel like, I, when I listen to Jacqueline and Jillian talk about it, they they seem to think that they talked, they did a little too much revealing of the, like, they were bigger fans of the first trailer where it was a lot of pretty visuals and not a lot of talking, and they feel like maybe a little too much was revealed in this trailer. You mean a trailer that doesn't spoil everything for you was better? Yeah. The best kinds of trailers? I still feel like... I still feel like there's really nothing they could have done in this trailer that would have spoiled it, because they... It's a prequel. I mean, you kind of know what's going to happen. It's a prequel, and they announced the premise, which is a, a band of... Uh, a band of rogues are trying to steal the the plans for the Death Star, and I mean the I mean I'm sure there will be some twists and some turns uh, here and there. None of which I believe were revealed in the trailer. Although uh, there was an international trailer, which did reveal that her father is being played by Mads Mikkelsen, who is also 
the uh, the Robert Oppenheimer, as we've discussed previously, of the Star and Wars the fucking universe. man. Yeah, um, there was he's, a, he's just the coolest. There was a in an, a, a spot in the international trailer where it was kind of mentioned that uh, that you know they received this information from your father, although they didn't say who her father was, uh, nor did they show any like shots of him or anything. I don't know. I, I still don't think there's been shots of him. No, that hasn't been in any still nothing. He's just in the cast cause they took a cast photo and he just happened to be in it. Yes. Um, I thought the trailer, I thought the trailer was good. I really liked it. Uh, and obviously they did the, your Darth Vader tease cause they've, they want to draw more eyes to the, uh, uh, to, I don't it's really so cheap, to. though. I don't think they needed to. But I, and the real question is, what is he actually even going to do in this movie? I don't know. I mean, it's not. It wouldn't be the first thing Disney's done this year where they just threw in a character for fanfare and it didn't really move the plot as much, and it was kind of disjointed. Have you heard? Have you heard the episode four theories surrounding this film? No. Involving the main character, Jen. Uh, Jen. Uh, so, uh, in, in episode four, when Luke is going to, to blow up the death, the death star and he is being trailed by, uh, two tie fighters and Darth Vader in his own fighter. Mm-hmm. And it seems like all hope is lost and in comes Han Solo at the last minute to save the day with the Millennium Falcon. And he, he shoots one of the tie fighters and blows it up. But the other TIE fighter on the other side of Vader is seemingly not ever hit by a blaster or anything. It just careens into Vader's fighter and then crashes, and that's what really throws Vader off course. And hmm. there is this theory, because there's the, the, especially shots in the first trailer of Jin, where she is in a yeah. Imperial fighter uniform, and there's these theories that she is in that fighter and she tries to uh she tries to take out Darth Vader and ultimately ends up sacrificing herself and dies or ship crashes and it throws it doesn't kill Vader but it throws him off course and allows Luke to destroy the death star and and she could she could have picked a way better moment than that then yes <laughs> uh, if that's what they're going to tie it into she that, that, uh, my, and doesn't the, succeed in killing him and instead kills herself yeah. I like the idea of Chris Pratt's the little chunky fat kid that needs to show some goddamn respect to uh, some six foot turkeys in <laughs> Jurassic Park than this I, I put a lot more credence than that yeah, yeah. Uh, than this uh, so that is the that is the theory being floated I, I don't know how to feel about it as well but I mean I, I feel like some way or another that Burt Reynolds had like you know Jet Li's the one where there's like different mm-hmm. versions of Jet Li and you kill one he gets stronger yeah. I feel like why he was so good in Smokey and the Bandit is because his doppelganger got killed in a galaxy a long long time ago because <laughs> there's a guy who looks just like fucking Burt Reynolds in it I think yeah. it's yeah yeah his best friend Luke's best friend that gets fucking killed that's he kind of looks like Burt Reynolds uh, so uh, Henry Cavill on Instagram uh, posted an up-close <laughs> picture of a detailed uniform, presumably of Kryptonian origin, presumably a Superman outfit. Is it a normal Superman outfit uh, that he put a black and white filter over top of, or is it the fabled black Superman outfit? Uh, what do you think, Glenn? It's impossible to really tell based off of this Instagram photo, but let's speculate nonetheless. I don't care. 
Don't care. Is there any? Is that what? This, this isn't. Is it a blue dress or whatever the other? Is it blue or is it gold? <laughs> yeah. This isn't like. Does the does the black Superman outfit have any relevance? Yeah, I mean it's it's one of the. I mean it's kind of like. I mean, of course, you know the classic red, red and blue. You know, with the outfit underwear. I mean, that's you know, I would say towards Superman fans, you know, of course, I would, you know, the '70s version is probably their favorite. Yeah. Um, but I would say like. The black suit's like the stunted ears version for me when it comes to Batman suit. Like it's just something I personally like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little bit different, but yeah, I mean it. Yeah, I mean it plays a it plays a point. I'm trying to think of like what comics run. I know for a fact it's in, and I'm just drawing a blank. Um, but uh, I mean, I, him having that suit's not going to make the movie good. Uh, making the movie good is is uh, uh, up to the studio. To see how much involvement they really need to do, right. so. Um, yeah, I have no feelings. <laughs> and for all we know, it's his blue and blue and I mean, suit or whatever. Right. Sense. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that's what happens in the Death Superman is he gets the black suit, yeah. so because he's trying to uh, go against his clone, which I'm assuming they don't have a clone in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, the trailer came out for Contact Two Arrival. Uh, which I mean, I, I, actually, in this day and age, they could make a contact uh, a contact sequel, and that would be the title of it. I'm sure. Um, I, I it's also a spinoff of the scene in Independence Day. I mean, I do. I, I call it that clearly because if you, uh, I, I don't know. I I mean, you just watched the trailer. I got that vibe. I got like such a Jodie Foster contact vibe from this trailer in a good way because I love that movie, but. Uh, what 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 did you think? I thought there was like a dab of like the... it's Matthew McConaughey in that movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. He played a religious guy in that movie who was uh, trying to meld science and religion together. I think. Oh, so ancient aliens. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I got I got the, I got and speaking of Matthew McConaughey, I felt there was like a dash of Interstellar's tone in it as well. Um. And in some ways, kind of like the look. Oh, not nearly the spectacle that Interstellar is. No, 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 no. This is a much smaller movie. Yeah. No, I mean it. Uh, yeah, I, I really didn't have any interest in it. I, I mean, I just watched it. And I was just kind of like, mm-hmm. feel like, like you bring up the contact thing. Like, I really, this just feels like I've seen this before. Yeah. Like the whole movie is the scene from Independence Day. And unfortunately, it doesn't end with nuke the bastards. So <laughs> no, <laughs> unfortunately, Independence Day two didn't have that either. But whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very unfortunate. Uh, no, they tried to shoot it with a giant space laser from the moon base. Yeah. Um, it also was kind of like, uh, uh, like very War of the Worlds esque. A little bit, yeah. Well, because like the creature's hands are kind of like the long tentacle things that the that those aliens have. Presuming that's what they are, in fact, yes. I really just, I kind of hope it's more like District Nine ish. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I hope this doesn't turn into. There's such a. I'm glad that they established there's twelve of them, not like a gazillion fucking saucers, and all you got to do is kill the mothership and then said one. Yes. And every time just send a suicide bomber in to take it out. Um, so I really hope it's not just space laser in the sky, kill the mothership, and everyone goes away. 
Like, if you kill the queen, the hive is gone. I Which, would... more I think about it, really makes me appreciate the movie Aliens more, because it's the same hive mentality, but you have to get, you have to kill the hive to get to the queen. Yeah. So. I would prefer if this was more contact like anyway, which contact ended like there was no alien invasion. It really was about enlightenment mm-hmm. and uh, expanding uh, expanding our knowledge of the universe and stuff like that. It just so happens that the way that it ended, nobody ended up believing her and what happened. Um, this is a little more concrete because she's in contact. Jodie Foster travel. The aliens deliver the means in which they can travel to them. But here they have they're obviously here, so I'm I'm hoping for something a little different. I'm hoping it doesn't turn into we gotta stop him. Hopefully it doesn't turn into that. Well, it's something like oh the Russians have their secrets, but we can work together to solve everything instead of fighting one another. Like it's got like hacky messages in it. Like I understand that sci-fi at its best is social commentary, but when it's that on the nose. Kind of like, uh, what is it? Is it Day of the Dead? Like the one where like all the super rich people are shopping while there's a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Like when it's just that satirical and that much of a farce, like it's a joke in and of itself. And that's my only worry is it just kind of, it seems, it's like Quantum of Solace. Like it's just, it seems a little too pretentious. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I remain very hopeful for this movie because maybe 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 Amy Adams getting another boyfriend out of this. I mean, she's yeah. one for one with alien boyfriends. <laughs> I mean, I and am one a... if you want to count interdimensional boyfriends like an Enchanted, yep. uh, she's two for two. I'm uh, I'm going to remain obviously uh, hopeful about this one. Uh, it's clearly, obviously, it's a it's in my wheelhouse for the types of stuff that I really dig. So. I'm hoping it's going to be good. I, I certainly like some of the ideas that it's putting forth. Uh, and I think they're doing some creative design. They're doing some things you haven't really seen before. Their ships kind of look like giant rocks, really. Yeah, like, they kind of look like obelisk-looking uh, things. They kind of remind me of the spaceships from Thor 2. Yeah, but less... Uh, less, uh, less yeah, I agree. Less symmetrical, I guess. Yeah. The ones in Thor two are like very like sharpened and designed, and they kind of look like a tooth. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, what is with these sci-fi space exploration movies coming out in November and late October? Like this, that's I mean, the thing isn't it? Yeah, I mean, last year I can't remember what it was, but the year before it was Interstellar. Mm-hmm. And then it was Gravity. The year before that, it was the classic Skyline. Oh my um, god! Don't let's... <laughs> I've never seen it. I just <laughs> it's, Skyline is literally a video, a visual effects reel for the directors. But uh, it's just weird. Like I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't want to count Star Wars in it because Star Wars is its own thing. But it's weird that these like space movies are are November release dates. Yeah, that is a little weird, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Maybe they feel like uh, summertime is comic book territory nowadays. I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, let's talk about this thing real quick. This Jean-Claude Van Johnson trailer. What, what does the title of this even mean? What, what, what is this show about? I guess it's a show on Amazon starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. The trailer is captivatingly interesting. Yeah. It, I, I don't know what the show's about. I haven't read any summary of it. I, just, I saw a poster and I was like, yes. 
And then Aaron posted the trailer, and I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like some pretentious, like, art house music in the background. While yeah, well, it's French music. Which yeah, yeah, which it makes it pretentious, art house music. Uh, sorry, Alex, but all French music is pretentious. Actually, I'm sure. I was, was going to say Daft Punk's pretentious. I was going to say it's not. I mean, it is pretty pretentious, but it's also fucking amazing. So, uh, but if, but you, if you can make disco funk uh, go well with a full functioning orchestra, uh, that that's a good kind of pretentious. Just like the Scorpions album, where they used the Berlin Symphony Orchestra, a little up its own ass. But man, is it fucking amazing! It, it appears to be about Jean Claude Van Damme just going about his his life, which is apparently uh, devoid of joy. Yeah, it kind of reminded me, which you know, what the podcast I just got will be posted is about BoJack Horseman. This kind of it fuels in the same vein. Like he wakes up, he does breakfast, he goes outside, he comes back in. Like no. it's all really mundane. By and breakfast, celebrity. By breakfast, you mean he has a cabinet that is full to the <laughs> brim with pop tart boxes. Yes. And he pulled one out, and there appeared to be like six others behind it. And it was just, and there were pop tarts to the left and to the right, and then he's just sitting there microwaving a single pop tart in a. Pot it's just he microwaved it. Yes. And he rides out on a Segway and with, like, a grabby stick to get the newspaper in the morning. He just appears to live a very solitary, sad life. I'm really curious to see what the show is. Yeah, it came out today. It's probably what I'll... Well, is it? Is it out on Amazon? Yeah, it's on Amazon the 19th, which is today. Everybody go watch it. I'm going to go give it a watch. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. Because I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what this is all about. Uh, before, I, before I talk about Suicide Squad, which I saw... Uh, Glenn, are you in the mood for some Bad Boys 3? I mean, I guess. I'm sure you are. Everybody loves Bad Boys and Bad Boys 2. The director for Bad Boys 3 has now confirmed that Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are back to star in the Is film. it going to be Michael Bay? Uh, no. It's direct, the director is Joe Carnahan. Oh, that's the guy who did The Grey. Uh, so it's called Bad Boys for Life, and it's coming out January 2018. Uh, so yeah, they've got, and they've got the original stars, so, uh, Hmm. shit is about to get real, again. It's gonna be really real this time, I guess. Shit just got realist. Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. Where has Martin Lawrence been, Glenn? Is he doing anything? He had a show on FX. I watched like five minutes of it. Because when I saw a preview for it somehow, I was just really fascinated by the idea. I, I know it got canceled. It was maybe, I think, I don't even think it made it through its first run. Are you hyped? It, no, but it, it, he was a lawyer and his partner was Kelsey Grammer. And it was done as like a classic sitcom, which is odd because it was on FX and they usually don't do like soundstage stuff. Well, no, I mean, are you hyped for Bad Boys for Life? I, I don't know. Maybe I, you can get no. Puff Daddy to do the soundtrack? They're just, man, they're fucking old. I mean, Will Smith, he's still kind of got it, but... Yeah. Man, Martin Lawrence, I don't know. I don't know if... My and... We could do it. Uh, <laughs> I've got faith. Doesn't he have a TV show, like a spinoff of Big Mama's House? Does he? I want to say he does. Um, I don't know. Perhaps. I, I mean, they're bringing back Lethal Weapon, so. 
Oh, they'll bring back anything. We know that for sure. Uh, the Hollywood machine. Uh, all right, so I got a chance to see uh, The Suicide Squad, uh, which Glenn talked about at length. Uh <laughs> I am still debating whether or not I liked it more than Batman v Superman. I think there are definitely parts of Suicide Squad where it was just where I, I was almost aching for Batman v Superman. Uh, there was definitely some stuff that just. Uh, I mean, the for, first things first. Uh, I've seen some people praising that they had they they had a good villain in this movie. They did not. They had an awful villain in this movie. I mean, it's uh, no different than any other. No, it was it was it was as basic as your basic villain gets. They, yeah, it's it's as basic as any of the other Marvel ones. Uh, they they basically did the storyline with Incubus, uh, Succubus, and Incubus. <laughs> although they didn't ever, they never called Enchantress <laughs> yeah. Succubus. Um, but that's the storyline where Succubus has a brother, Incubus, and they were worshipped gods. And they're not worshipped anymore, and now they're mad, and they want to destroy the Earth uh, to uh, to show them a thing or two, I guess. Uh, Cara Delevingne played Enchantress, and uh, I'll tell you what, Glenn, she made some bold choices. <laughs> uh, because I am pretty sure at one point, she just starts dancing as the yeah, Enchantress. Yeah, she just starts, like, really... She's just wobbling around while she's talking and waving her arms. Well, that's because and... the magic's moving through her. She's Is that... got the music in you. Yeah, it looked absolutely ridiculous. It looked really strange. Like, I would just say, like... It did not work for me. I thought she had a really cool look when it was, like, covered in muck. Yeah, that look was cool. When she looked like Calypso from Pirates of the Caribbean. Ah, yes, yes. Calis- Calypso. No. Calypso. <laughs> I love Bill Nye. In the, in Captain the, Jack Sparrow. Captain Jack Eat your bacon. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no. Um, no, like, whenever she's at the end, when they're, you know, it comes laser in the sky, they, uh, and she's, like, you're saying she's dancing. The CGI looks so strange. It yeah. kind of looked like the full body version of Jeff Bridges and Tron. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just that uncanny valley. There were... Um, it was really odd. I hated... Uh, there were definitely lots of points where I hated dialogue that just seemed stupid and ridiculous to me. I quoted one of them in the chat uh, when I was watching it, where I believe uh, Will Smith says something along the lines of stay evil, Dollface, which nobody says to anybody ever, or would say to anybody ever. It's completely ridiculous dialogue uh and i'm like you know what maybe if i was still like a 13 year old in the the late 90s and i was emolicious or something maybe i would think that was something cool to say to somebody but as a grown adult I, i just thought it was stupid dialogue that didn't connect with me in any way and there was there was various bits of that throughout the movie uh the ending is complete with slow motion gun toss to Deadshot. <laughs> Deadshot! And she just throws it and the gun's twirling in slow motion and he happens to catch it and he uh, I believe he also shoots explosives which then makes the explosives explode. Fuck yeah they do. Uh, so this is like straight out of like 80's action movies which was weird to me. Uh, it was just so much ridiculousness. Uh, there were There were great moments. There was a moment where 
Um, I really enjoy the bar scene up until RoboCop walks in. The bar scene is pretty good, uh, especially where El Diablo talks about yeah, good. how he lost his shit and killed his family, including his kids. Yeah, uh, which is weird because Harley Quinn, the psychotic murderer, calls him out for it, which took me out of the moment. For she's like, "Own your shit," and I was just like, "Why are you mad at him? Do you know who? You, do you know who you are? Do you know who you hang out with?" That, like, that's kind of the point, but okay. Uh, no, it, it it felt like to me, it felt like to me like she was mad at him for what he did. Like she seemed really pissed that he killed his kids on accident. And I'm like, lady, you're like, you're fucking a guy who surrounded himself with a bunch of like blades and empty baby onesies, presumably because he killed babies too. Uh, it just, I don't know that. I mean. If it's coming from a standpoint of like, hey, you're you're a sh- you're a piece of shit, and you should own that you're a piece of shit, maybe that's one thing. But it almost it, to me that scene felt like she was mad at him for what he did, which is kind of pot calling the kettle black. I don't know. Um, I, I, again, I that's kind of the point. Is it? It's, it's irony. I guess it's bad. I, I it's bad irony. I didn't say it was good irony. I, I, I'm telling you that's what the point is. I didn't say it was good or not. I'm just saying that's what the point is. So the point was to be horribly. That's that's the thing. That's what's frustrating about the movie. Like it's it goes to certain places and then like and then it just stops. Like it doesn't quite make it. Yeah. It pulls itself back when they're like, oh, we're gonna make this this zany, you know. Uh, yeah, R-rated movie, and it's kind of like, okay, you know, yeah, I'm kind of ready for it. And, you know, like, I think the dark moments work better in this mm-hmm. than Batman v Superman. I hated, uh, I hated all of the music cues, almost. Oh, that, it was, it was, I, I want to know, like... Not that I hate the songs, per the se. The budget but... had to go to copyright for the music, like... <laughs> It was it was obnoxious, and some of some of the music like it's 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 partly that there were so many of them, uh, and it's also partly that some of them were so stupidly on the nose. Like when we meet Amanda Waller, they play "Sympathy for the Devil." Hmm. <laughs> I, I wonder if she turns out to be a, a, a sh- like an asshole later on. There's like there's too many characters for them to each get their own mantra. Like it's yeah, too yeah. much. You know, if you have four, yeah, okay. But when you have like seven or eight, it's just really dumb. Yeah. And you know, like I was telling, you know, we were talking about last time, like all those cutscenes. We will talk. I'm sure we'll talk about them. But all like those cutscenes, flashbacks with the Joker, like they, you could just tell there was so much left. I'm not saying like a whole movie's worth, but you could tell like you just got snippets of certain scenes and then that they were completely taken out of context. I, uh, I'll say this about Jared Leto's Joker. I saw flashes of a good Joker in there, but like mere flashes, like, uh, the way he'd say a certain line or the way he'd give a certain look, but it was never for any sustained period of time. Like I, I would see bits where I'm like, I like somewhere deep down inside, buried in there is is probably a pretty good Joker. But the one they decided to portray is not one I'm a big fan of. No, I mean the one thing I really like was I liked the idea of him using sexuality, mm-hmm. and he did it a couple of times, and those I really like because I've never thought of him. I never thought of the character that way, mm-hmm. but it, when they make it just 
for me personally too much. Like it's just too distracting with Margot Robbie in that outfit. Yeah, it, it in a way helped balance it out a little bit that they're pretty much just these two sex whatever kind of fiends in a way. Uh, and of course, they would use sexuality as a way to gain power and leverage. Like I thought that was really interesting. That yeah. and it, but there was a problem. Like the scene with Common, I, it just felt like they they cut stuff out. You were you were jumping in the middle of something with no context. And, and like it felt like all the stuff with Harley Quinn was like the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. and that leads into her going into the prison, yeah. and then you see mm-hmm. Will Smith, and then you see his flashback. Like his flashbacks made more sense. It was really like it felt like they were trying to jump into Will Smith because he's got top billing. Would. Mm-hmm. Uh, which to me doesn't make sense because uh, Independence Day doesn't show up till like forty five minutes into it, and he yeah. gets stopped billing. Yeah. Like you can bury the lead, that's okay. Uh, but it, well, you know, it was like it's dumb that people are like making a petition because the marketing was led wrong, and in a lot of ways it is because Jared Leto's in it like ten minutes. Did they want you to think that Will Smith was a good father in this movie? Because I never really got that vibe. I got that they wanted you to think he was, but. From watching it, he seems like the worst father of all time. I think they're trying to get that like he cares, but he himself gets in the way, right? But a lot of it that comes with me, like with Deadshot in general. Like, I mean, you've seen the arc, the solo on Arkham, right? Yep. You've seen that one. Yep. Like to me, it's felt like they were trying to do like he's not necessarily a good father, but you can tell he does care about his daughter, mm-hmm. and it uh, like, it just it didn't make sense the way. Like, the way he had him talk about the mom didn't make a whole lot of sense with the kid. Like, he's constantly berating her. I felt like he, I felt like in the other one, even if he's having conflict with the mom, like, he's not going to do those kind of low blows because he understands what he is. Mm-hmm. And I felt like they were trying to ride that line of he understands who he is, but he doesn't know what he's capable of at the same time. Yeah. And I, I, to me, like, that's where it went back and forth. I mean, the Rick Flag character, like, oh, I'm just sitting there thinking, like, it would have been kind of nice to see Jake Gyllenhaal in this because I, I think it would, I think he would have actually pulled off the fact that they kept giving him different notes for every different scene. <laughs> hey, uh, you actually need to be an asshole in this one. No, you need a buddy up in this one. You need to hold on. But uh, I talked about it last time. For you, how jarring was the when he goes into the bar and he tells them what happened and what they show you happened was different than what you saw earlier in the movie. Yeah. Like, it's a flashback of something you saw in real time, mm-hmm. but it was completely different. Different like, than what happened. That was, as soon as that happened, I was just, what the fuck? Well, they were hurried, Glenn. Uh, oh, they were hurried. They, they had the people who did the trailer edit the movie. Like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll get another half decent director's cut out of this. It was no. It was. Jarring. This one has more potential to be Kingdom of Heaven than Batman v Superman. That's for sure. Uh, sure. I feel like because there's more story that they left on the ground that could actually sure things up. Uh, whereas Batman v Superman had more superfluous plot things that were shored up, but nothing that changed the overall vision of the movie. Um, the, to me, the best scene in the movie, uh, the one I liked the most, was. Uh, after Harley escapes with the Joker and then their, their chopper goes down or whatever and the Joker ditches her and she's there all by herself and she takes off the, the, the puddin' necklace and just 
chucks it. She's clearly had it with this guy uh, in this abusive mm-hmm. relationship that they've never that they never talked about in the movie because all that stuff was cut, I'm sure. Um, and like the group, the group is coming up to her and she's clearly dejected and depressed and sad. And then as soon as she notices that the rest of the gang is coming, she puts on her wacky Harley face and she's like, Hey, I've been waiting for you guys, you know? And she's clearly doesn't mean it. Like there's, there's definitely depth there. I liked that. I think she was, the standout more so than than Will Smith for me. Oh yeah, no, she was. Uh, there's definitely. I thought Viola Davis was good. I think they gave her yes. crap things, but I thought what she was given, like she was, she was Amanda Waller, like yeah. that. I know her role was ex- exposition, but she she was a boss bitch. Like she was awesome. Yeah, was... but like you were talking about that scene, but it's so frustrating because you can tell, like he, you can tell he's pushing her out to kill her. But the way they edit it, they make it like you're pushing. He pushed her out to the saver, and it's like no. And I don't know if like maybe the editors were doing it's like, oh, it doesn't make sense for him to go all this way to get her and then kill her. And it's like no, it makes perfect sense given who he is. Like, uh, watch any of the episodes of the animated series. Like, <laughs> they have a very volatile relationship, and that's like you have you you. That was the thing. Like, this movie can talk about diversity. It can't because it's bad. This movie could talk about abusive relationships uh, and open up that kind of dialogue. Like, this is what kind of self-destructive behavior you can get yourself in. But again, it's bad, so you can't do that. And they were too chicken shit as a studio yeah. to go that route. And that's like, that's to me, this is more frustrating than Batman vs. Superman. Because Batman vs. Superman is, it's just really good fanfic and it, it's just a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Where some of Lex Luthor's motivations as really convoluted and to the exact point they all had to work to get it to go. Yeah. Um, at least you can go out of it saying, like, I don't know, Ben Affleck was fucking awesome. Like, <laughs> I can at least always go back to, like, he was great, and Wonder Woman was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. With this one, it was just like, uh, I don't I don't want to judge Jared Leto. I felt like I didn't see him enough. I thought Harley Quinn was pretty good, but it was just weird how they handled her at times, or... Well, they let Will Smith be Will Smith, which worked a lot of times and didn't work just as many times as it did. Or Viola Davis was awesome, but they gave her crap lines. Joel Kinman was given, like, the worst direction ever because I, I want to know who came in and do the reshoots because I don't think it was David Ayers. They had to have Matthew Vaughn this like they did with Josh Trank. Like, there's just no way it was the same person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was all over the place. And then uh, Jai Courtney, like, he's not in it enough for me to really care. Like... I thought he did okay in the moments he was in, but it felt like they tried to give me more. Like, why did I get a flashback of him? Like, it should have just been Harley and and Will Smith that we got. Well, because they, they wanted to do that bit with a flash. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I get it, but then he, I feel like he's when they're all like the flashback. The flashbacks should have happened when they're at the bar. And they're just like, oh, what's a really shitty moment for you? And then he can tell, or like, you know, and they're just telling one-up stories. Yeah, you know, lowest so, point or whatever. Yeah. yeah, like Will Smith talks about like, oh, I got caught because of fucking Bat. And then you get, then you get that sequence. And then you can turn around and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm here also because of Batman. And then you can show that sequence. Mm-hmm. 
And isn't you don't have to do the setup of them in the bar. Like that could be a way precursor. It could just be them driving down the road and he's chasing them. Like yeah. it could just be that because at least you'll have like a Batman the animated series feel to it where sometimes it just starts off in the middle of the action. And I actually like that. I actually like that bit despite the fact that I thought Joker's car was fucking ridiculous looking. I <laughs> I love that there I love that there was a, there was a moment in that car chase brief albeit that felt like it was something straight out of the animated series for yeah. me when Batman's on the roof and she's like, stupid bat ruining date night. And she's <laughs> shooting the gun up at the roof. I'm like, that felt like something straight out of the cartoon. And That's I love that. I thought that was yeah. great. That's what I mean though. Like it was just out of a place where it happened. And that, like, I felt like that bar, like, that's that's where you could have put these flashbacks. Yeah. And then you could have talked about Katana more. Like, that, I felt like it, we should just jump into the action. We kind of learn the characters as they go. And then when you get to the bar, Robocop's then you can establish what they are. Thanks for and, dredging up RoboCop's dialogue uh, by mentioning Katana. When Katana just shows up out of the blue, like her introduction. And he's like, oh, hey, this is Katana. Uh, and she can kill you with her sword, but don't let her kill you with her sword because it'll suck up your soul or something. It was really ridiculous dialogue that was said in the most bland way possible. Yeah, they should like, the best thing would have been if it was, if they see her, he goes on like, who's that? And he's like, just don't mess with her. And then they kind of, she's like pulling out her sword to kind of look at it. You see it glowing. And then someone, even, even if it's just simple, it's a dumb joke. At least it, it's a little bit more clever if they're just like, Oh, are the orcs coming? And then they can set it up of like, Oh no, that's actually people's fucking souls in my sword. Like, yeah, as dumb as that would have been, I think yeah. it, at least the setup would have been more clever than, and by, and by not mentioning it, you could have completely covered up the fact that she never uses her sword to take a soul in this movie at all. Yeah, they mention it and then it never happens. <laughs> yeah, until like or like it does happen. So like when it happens, like what the fuck is that? And then, then like yeah, that's what it could come out. Then you can have Joel Kinnaman say like, oh yeah, you don't want her to cut you because and they they and they did there. and they did kind of do that in this movie because El Diablo for the most part is just kind of like pyrokinetic, you know, doing pyrokinesis and f- shooting flames everywhere. But then at the end of the movie, he turns into a giant fucking fire demon, and everyone's like, what the shit is that? <laughs> uh, that's what they should have done with Katana. But yeah, see, that's the thing. Like, That's what would have been cool, because then we could have learned... We would have learned about them the same way they were learning about each other. You know, like I felt like the audience should have... If for us to root for the Suicide Squad, we had to be with there the whole time. I never and since they did in a way we weren't with right. them. And I never bought. By the way, I should note that unlike in Guardians of the Galaxy, at the end of this movie, I do not buy and did not think that they earned that they came together as a team. I don't think anything really happened to them that forced these horrible people to to find a soft spot on their heart to come together as a team in a unit. I never felt like that really happened, and I. Like in Guardians of the Galaxy, I know they earned it. They had uh, like personal moments, and they had these mm-hmm. things that they had to overcome, and they did. And they really, you watch them come together. I never really felt that happen in this movie. But they, I don't think they have to. I don't think you have to have them feel like they're a team at the end. Well, uh, they you don't, but I think they tried to show you that they are like they're. Yeah, a team. I that. That's just poor. That, yeah. Again, that's probably a studio saying. Well, people are going to say it's like Guardians, so we should make it like it. Instead of, no, we should just make our own thing. And if people make comparisons when they see the movie, 
they'll just be like, oh, no, it is kind of different. They like, even put a song from Guardians of the Galaxy yeah, in this they movie. I do. Uh, um, anyway, that's, uh, yeah, I think you gave it a two last week yeah. when I asked you the score. Yeah, like two, two and a half. I would definitely give this a two as well. It had some redeeming moments, but it was lackluster in, in most ways. Uh, all right, you saw a sausage party. That was awesome. What? <laughs> What happened in this movie? What's going on here? I really don't. Uh, uh, I, it's getting good reviews. It's 82%. Or yeah, no, it's great. It is. Like, I was really excited to see Bill Maher's documentary, Religious, because I thought, oh, you know, it could be satirical, but maybe there's a. Maybe Bill Maher won't be up his own ass the whole time, and there'll be kind of a hopefully a message at the end. Yeah. But instead, the movie is. Oh, yeah, what you guys believe in is dumb. But what do you believe, Bill Maher? Oh, it doesn't matter what I believe. You guys are just really stupid. Yeah. And that's just every single time he goes to religion, that's what the conversation is. Mm-hmm. With Sausage Party, it does, I never thought of using animated food to depict uh, religion and not necessarily, not necessarily promote atheism, but to me, like the big message of the movie is you can accomplish more together so we need to not look at each other's differences we need to just band together and, and provide a future for yeah. food the race or whatever. The, uh, but it is, it's really smart. Uh, but it, it's, I mean, the ending is batshit insane. Uh, like it, it's definitely like you can tell they were high when they came up with some of this stuff. Seth Rogen but, says that he's looking forward to in a few years once he's separated from the movie more to sit down and watch it and then wonder how on earth somebody let them make this. It's uh, good though. I mean, like it. It shouldn't work, but it it works marvel. It's like Swiss Army Man. Like that movie shouldn't work, and I thought that was me the strangest thing I saw this year, and it is most certainly not the strangest thing I saw this year. Uh, that, does that belong to Sausage Party right now? Oh yeah, that movie was bananas. I mean, it ends with a giant food orgy, and them going through Stargate. What? Because because they realized that. They're not only being exploited for humans to eat them, but they're being exploited as something called animation for people to go into theaters and to oh god to experience us. And so they're going to go through Stargate to go through the other dimension to kill animators. <laughs> they can finally have their real freedom. Holy shit. All this is told by Bill Mar or Bill Mar by Bill Hader who voices Firewater. Because he creates the story of religion, him, uh, Grits, which is voiced by Craig Robinson, and Twinkies that I I don't know who was voiced by. I don't remember. Uh, Because they are non-perishable, so they have lived forever. And so there was a time when food knew that they were going to be eaten as food, and they were terrified. So they came up with this story. So every day, before the store opens, you sing this song, and you... You know, sing of the joys of the gods so that hopefully the humans will pick you, you will go home, and they will love you. But the only way for you to go to the great beyond, to go to heaven, is if, you know, you don't get out of your packages, if you remain pure, if you drown out your impure thoughts, uh, as long as you go with the crowd and, and you pretty much live a, a non-individualized um, ind- life. Mm-hmm. Uh but, of course, just like any religion, these stories have been warped. So the sauerkraut, which it's not hard to guess what they are, 
uh, which are Nazis, uh, warp it into a way of singing in the song in the morning that they must kill all of the Jews. And that the oh bank and the tortillas, uh, one being Jewish, of course, and the other one being... Um, Is that Boomer making all that racket in the background? Yeah, he's playing with, with a toy. And Muslims, they live on the same aisle, albeit it is a small aisle, uh, but they are still fighting over it uh, until they realize... The world, so, is it the world of foods aisle? And they settle their differences uh, when they both realize they like hummus, and hummus is both of their friends. Uh, Unbelievable. But yeah, no, I mean, it, it is, uh, you know, it is really smartly well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in a lot of ways, like it is very thought provoking. And where I, the thing that I really liked about it is when it becomes about like when Seth Rogen realizes that there is no God or there's what we've been told is lies. We need to find a better truth. Yeah. Um, it doesn't like they all the food proposes questions like, well, what do you believe then? What's the thing? It's like, well, I don't know. I, and they're like, well, what are the answers? Like, well, I don't have the answers, but that's what we can do. We can all find the answers together. If we just set aside their di- our differences to find a real truth, we can accomplish so much more. Right. And that was, like, to me, that's the big takeaway from it is, yes, it makes fun of religion a lot of times. It points out its own idiosyncrasies and stupidity of some of the things that, that we put forth in that kind of thought because most... However you want to view it, it is a man-made construct. Religion itself, not I'm not going into your belief and your spirituality. I'm just saying the construct of religion yeah. is a man-made thing. He is having too much fun. Um, Quiet it down, boomers. Boomers. <laughs> he, just bur- he just burked up, looked at me like he was in trouble. That's okay, buddy. Yeah, jump off. Um, but it just, you know, it doesn't, it may spend all of this time making fun of religion but at the end it is about just coming together it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're a decent person and you're trying to do the right thing like all the other stuff is is, is a moot point so no i i really enjoyed it and danny mcbride was hands down my favorite character in it uh james franco I, will is also pretty great when you realize who he is uh, i um what happens to him is is right up Aaron's alley. So, <laughs> uh, what would you? What would you well, I didn't know it was him until the credits because he didn't sound like Paul Rudd. <laughs> what would you? Uh, what would you grade it? Um, like a four out of five. I mean, it would. This year, I mean, it's definitely the top five like best movies I've seen this year. I don't think anything's gonna top Ten Cloverfield Lane because holy shit, was that intense? That was very good. Uh, but uh, it's, I mean, it's up there. I mean, it's definitely the best movie I've seen this summer. I mean, I was going to say it's Swiss Army Man, but I, I think this supersedes it. In uh, a lot of $19 million budget, $52 million, uh, worldwide it's done. Yeah, so. that, that's Seth Rogen, man. He says it like, uh, he want, if he can make a movie under 20 or make it around 15, yeah. and, you know, it's considered a smash hit because it makes 100, hopefully, yeah. uh, 150 worldwide. Like, he'd rather live in that world than trying to go for the big, big bucks like a Green Hornet because he'll, he'll actually have more take-home cash. I'm not going to bother uh, running into uh, the the box office for this week because we're so close to this coming weekend, and I, I'm, so I'm not going to bother talking about last weekend's scores other than to note that uh, we were keeping an eye out to see what Suicide Squad's second week was going to do, and it did have a nearly 70% dip. Uh, but like every movie's been this summer. Yeah, a lot of movies have been taking the dip, but I mean that's not a that's not necessarily. I mean, I guess you can 
I guess you can spin it to be like, well, that's a lot of movies this summer, but it's still a bad dip to take. No, no, it's a bad dip. It's just like this summer's been like, I mean, I haven't seen Star Trek. I know I've heard it. I mean, you've said it. I know it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like every movie that's come out this summer has just been mediocre. Like it's like right. there hasn't been besides, you know, this one, Civil War, Dory. But there hasn't been that many movies. It's like close to 100 or above. It seems like every movie I see, like it's number one weekend is like 35, maybe 50 million tops. Like that's just yeah. what I've seen over and over again. Is them trying to limp their way to a hundred instead of like, okay, well we'll get to a hundred in three weeks. It's taking like five or six. Suicide Squad is nearing five hundred million worldwide, uh, but there is there was a report from Hollywood Reporter that uh, suggested that there was people on the inside saying that the movie would have to make at least seven fifty to eight hundred worldwide in order to break even. Well, when they say that, it was just like Star Wars had to make that kind of money yeah. to break even. Because they always say it's whatever the budget is, double. So yeah. if the budget's $150, $300 million is really what you need to make as far as equaling out all the other people who get paid, the incentives, right. and well, everything else after that right. is to make sure the suits get their cut and whatever their cut well, they you, want you, is what you double it. Normally the rule is you take the production budget and then double it for marketing, but then you have to double it again because the idea is that you only get about 50% or 45% of the earnings because the the other half goes to, uh, to theaters. Uh, they make the they they make half the money. The studios make half the money. I thought so. it was a, I thought it was a much lower split. I thought most of the money for theaters was the. Uh, I've I've always I've always was the, was the concessions. I thought it was like a sixty forty split. Yeah, I, I, I think I think recently it, it's maybe it's maybe it's changed. Um, but either way, they're saying. It's got to be closer to seven fifty, and I don't think they're going to hit that. They're they're not even at five hundred yet. I mean, the thing too. I mean, I didn't look at the numbers, but all I read and heard is that like Batman v Superman is doing like crazy record amounts of DVD sales, like than what it what where yes. things have kind of like died down. Like Mad Max was the same way too. It had like crazy high yeah yeah DVD you've, sales. You've got yeah you've got to look at like all the post release stuff, uh, digital downloads, DVD Blu Ray sales. Uh, and I see, I feel like with this one, like that's the one thing. De- like you know, Ghostbusters tried to make money by turning this into a big um, type of movement. Uh, DC or whoever the fuck on the internet just decided to do the fuck the credit hashtag fuck the credits uh, support DC films. Like they're doing the same thing, and it seems to be working, which is kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> um. Before before we talk about uh, don't fight for a studio to be making money like it's still a corporate business this this is not art. Uh, before we talk about box office or not box office before we talk about uh, what's opening uh, what's opening this weekend uh, I just want to quickly mention I don't because I don't think you have I don't think you have played it but I would just like to give my oh, full yeah. I would like to give my full endorsement to No Man's Sky. Uh, the only bad thing I can say about the game is that it is causing me to neglect the other games that I am playing at the moment. Uh, it is, for me anyway, it is one of those games that I get, I will play it for so long and I will get sick of it. And I'm like, all right, I'm done. And I turn off, not like out of frustration, just like out of 
sheer exhaustion. Like, I'm just tired of playing this game. I can't look at the screen for another minute. And I turn it off, and I wake up the next morning, and it's the only thing I can think about is going back and playing it again. Uh, So it is totally working for me. There are a lot of people out there who really jumped out and shit on the game right away. Uh, I know on PC, people were shitting on it because there were issues with the PC release, but uh, that's been the case for a lot of uh, big names. If the, movie isn't de- if the game isn't designed to work for a PC, it, there's going to be issues. That'd be like me bitching that Civ 4 doesn't yeah. go compatible with my well, PlayStation I, I, 4. I, I think you're going to have more PC issues because people are going to have varying differences as far as their PCs are set up. People are going to have different graphics cards and different processors and all sorts of other stuff. When you know with the PlayStation 4, everyone has the same exact equipment in their PlayStation 4. Um, I, but, I, but I saw plenty of people who claimed that this game was uh, incredibly and horribly overhyped. And it's not the game that was hyped to them. And the only thing I can say is it is not the game's fault. Uh, if you listened to the hype of other people, because everything I, and I've followed this game ever since it was announced and I followed, uh, I watched all of the press conferences. I've seen every, like all of the Sean Murray interviews. Uh, there are, there are a few controversial bits about how multiplayer works or doesn't work in the game. Um, those things though, I don't really give a shit about because one of the selling points to me about this game is that I'm not going to run into anybody else. Uh, because I'm not a big multiplayer guy, but uh, everything I have seen that this game promised it was going to do, it is done in spades. And if people were expecting it to do things other than that, then it was it was them who were putting the, I guess, the, the expectations on the game that the, the creators of the game were putting on it. So if you thought the game was overhyped because of stuff that wasn't in the game... Uh, then that's on you because they've only ever pushed uh, a few things here and there, and those things were all delivered. As far as like the scope of the game and the size of the game, they were not making any of that stuff up. That is all 100% legitimate. Uh, it is ridiculously huge. Um, if uh, If resource gathering and crafting and exploring are not your thing... <laughs> Uh, is that is that the alarm, Glenn, to to let you know that this game is not for you? Oh no, that was that was a text. <laughs> uh, I, I was presuming that that was the alarm. The the no, this game is not for Glenn Beauvais. Um, no, I really want to get it. I just I kind of it kept getting pushed back, so I kind of forgot that it what came out, and I yeah. just bought Doom. So it's like, well, I'll just wait a while. I mean, if you yeah, so if you don't like if you don't like exploring and resource gathering and trading. That is all the game is. There are there is some lore. There is some there is some story elements. There are some combat elements, but the core of the game is exploring, gathering resources, crafting, and moving on and upgrading your equipment. Uh, and that is the core of the gameplay. It is offering. Can you build like colonies and stuff? Or? Uh, they are in a future update. They said they are going to allow for. Uh, uh, base building. Uh, so building is was not part of the game originally, but it sounds like it's something they're going to be including in a future update. And so far, all of the all of the updates they have made have all been uh, free updates. 
So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think the game is for what I wanted and for what they promised and for what I got, it's about as perfect a game, uh, as there is, as far as, as far as those things go, it really just depends on, uh, your level of, of tedium. If you get bored with something very easily, uh, then this might not be the game for you. For me, this is like perfect relaxation time. I don't need to think too much while I'm playing this game, uh, but I'm constantly finding new stuff. There's always new species on planets. Planets always have different looks. There's always different things to do. There's a lot of the same things to do, too, Um, and I can see where that could get on people's nerves. But by and large, uh, I've really enjoyed the whole experience and I would totally recommend the game. If it sounds like after listening to me, if that sounds like something you'd like to do, uh, or a game you'd like, go check it out. Cause I think it's, uh, stupendous. Uh, where are we at now? Okay. Movies coming out this week. There are three big wide releases. There is one, uh, limited release Glenn, and it features, uh, somebody you've just recently seen in a film, Daniel Radcliffe. He is no longer a corpse. He is now a white power neo-Nazi in Imperium. Oh, okay. I was going to ask, is it that cop movie with Tony Collette? Uh, yeah, yeah. And he is, uh, Daniel Radcliffe plays a skinhead in this movie. Hmm. All right. Uh, let me see here. Uh, FBI agent goes, oh, Radcliffe is an, is an FBI agent who goes undercover to take down the neo-Nazis, like a terrorist group. Um, so he's not one himself. He kind of goes undercover to become one. Uh, 28 reviews, 82% on the tomato meter. Uh, the unsettling Imperium boasts troubling, timely themes amid a talented cast led by Daniel Radcliffe as an undercover FBI agent infiltrating a ring of white supremacists. There's one movie I, I, I actually kind of want to see this weekend. Is it Kubo and the Two Strings, Glenn? Yeah, I mean, I see this advertisement every half hour at work, mm-hmm. and it has just been ingrained into my head. I love the music on the trailer, yep. and I really just... I'm not a huge claymation person, yeah. but for whatever reason, this it just looks so beautiful. Because uh, McCona- it's origami style, but it just looks amazing. Uh, Matthew McConaughey? Is in this? Rudy Mara is in it. It's his first, uh, his first voice role. Really, he's not done voice work before. Uh, so yeah, he's in it. Rudy Mara, Charlize Theron, uh, George Takei. If judging by anything from the trailers, is in it to just go, oh my. Yeah, Ralph finds, which is something he Ralph finds is in this as well. Uh, Ralph finds everyone. Uh, yeah, George Takei doing his. His vaunted catchphrase, which he never said in Star Trek. Although everyone seems to think he did, but he never did. Uh, 118 reviews, Glenn. 96% on the tomato meter. There are five <laughs> negative reviews for this. Uh, Kubo and the Two Strings matches its... What are, the, what are the five negative reviews for I'm, it? I'm going to go searching. Uh, Kubo and the Two Strings matches its incredible animation with an absorbing and bravely melancholy story that has something to offer audiences of all ages. McConaissance is back, baby. Missing Dark Tower. He's coming back. All right, all right, Round all right. Round two. Uh, there are five negative reviews. I'm not inclined to give a pass to family film that indoctrinates an irrational belief system 
just because it's novel. That's from The Guardian. That's a strange... So he doesn't support it because it embellishes, like... Does it, like, do something... Like a certain style or something? Well, he says an irrational belief system. It's a movie about magic and a guy with a guitar. Like, um, I don't think anybody's looking for a rational explanation for this film. At the end of the day, are they saying, is it some sort of message about Christianity or something? I don't know what this guy's getting at. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, it looks heavily influenced by, like, Eastern storytelling. I mean, even the plot is, like, a... Korean revenge thriller. Uh, this this score gave the movie a C plus. Although I don't know if I'd say that that's a negative review. <laughs> How is that a negative review? It just says that it lacks this. The only thing. So they give it a C plus, and then like when they have to give their tomato score, they just said two out of five because they don't know how to do math. I guess I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, Kubo and the Two Strings is a visually dazzling film set in ancient magical Japan, and now the bad news: as a narrative, Kubo and the Two Strings is nearly incomprehensible. Two out of four. Always oh, one of those hipster douchebags that gives movies a score out of four. Oh, okay. What a, what a tool. So he gave it an average score then. Two out of four is half. That's 50%. C plus, but gave it a 50. Yeah. I did, like, he doesn't know how to do math then. Here's he, another douchebag who gives it a, a two out of four. Oh, and the film's plotting and dialogue, you measured up to Kubo, might have been... Just because Roger Ebert does, did it doesn't mean you have to. Ebert was an idiot for doing that as well, and I've mentioned it many times. No, he was, but it doesn't mean, like... That's not... That wouldn't be the claim has I would it, jump with. Has it, been, has it been a while since we've talked about the four-star scale? Maybe no, there... We've talked about it. I might, don't even... Like, I don't care if... Like, I don't know why you would do it four. Why not four and a half? There are... Well, because there are... There there may be new listeners who haven't heard me rant about the four-star scale. Roger Ebert, some time ago, uh, before he died, obviously, uh, instituted... Uh, usually, critics did a five-star scale. They would rate films on a one to five. This is pretty common amongst everything. Food critics, book critics, everybody would do this five-star scale. And Ebert said that he was going to do four stars because five stars meant it was perfect. And there can never be a perfect movie. Well, then he's never seen Casablanca. And if you make the... and to ease, Well, opinions aside... I'm not, I'm not, no, it, it, is, it is a fact. Like, it's not an opinion. It, if you were looking for entertainment, it has all, everything you would want. Romance, a love triangle, Nazis... World War Two, patriotism, frankly, a reluctant man. hero. It is there. It has every single thing you would want in a movie. It is. It is perfect in narrative. Quite frankly, Glenn, I don't give a damn. Is that the same uh, movie? Is that a different uh, movie? That's that is Gone with the Wind. And Gone with the Wind. It, it is. That is. Those movies all meld together for me. For that me. movie was made in its time. Um, okay, so here and here's the thing. So since. This would be easy enough. You just never give a movie five stars. You have the five star scale. You do four and a half. You do four and three quarters. Yeah, that's a, that's the my thing. Like, I don't know why you would stop at four. Right, like right. four by, and a half. By reducing the scale to four, four then becomes the new five. Four is now the perfect score. If the scale only goes up to four, and then you give a movie a four, you've given it a perfect score. Uh, that seems ridiculous to me. 
So, yeah, the movie's not a four out of five. It's a perfect four out of four. And now he's redundant because we now we, we don't say what's your top five. We say who's your Mount Rushmore. That's right. That's right. Uh, big movies opening this weekend. Drink up, Judah Ben-Hur. It's the Ben-Hur remake. Uh, instant flop. Personally, <laughs> I preferred the Ben-Hur remake in the episode of The Simpsons where they do the the Springfield Film Festival where Mr. Burns does a remake of Ben-Hur. There's yeah, supposed I, to be short films and he does a big budget remake of Ben-Hur. I meant to just put it on as a background yesterday, The Simpsons, and I ended up just watching it for like two hours. A uh, bunch of people in this movie. Morgan Freeman is the only one you've heard of, probably. No, I've heard of Rodrigo Santoro. Oh, have you? What, what else has he been in? I've... He was he was in that... It was the second season... He is in Lost. And it's the episode where it's him and his girlfriend. And the episode's about them. Like, it's not about the main oh, characters. Yeah. And they have, like, their weird adventure and they both end up dead at the end. I can't remember what happens. Um, but they both die after, like, trying to betray one another. Well, but yeah, he's in that. He's been in other things. But that's, like, that I will always remember because I'm like, that is an awesome name. <laughs> Well, uh, the jig is up. Out of 97 reviews, this movie has 31% on the tomato meter. Oh, it's gone up since I've seen it last. How do you fight an idea by filming a remake that has too few of its own and tries to cover it up with choppy editing and CGI? Burn, Rotten Tomatoes critics' consensus. Well, I think it's like Paramount was predicting that, oh, yeah, we'll make 20. And like every single independent thing's like, if they make 10, it's a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not projecting to on a hundred million dollar budget and the funny thing is like i've only seen this advertised as a pop-up on imdb i have never i've never seen a commercial for it i've never seen a trailer for it in any movie i've seen this year i have seen a couple. I, I don't know what it would be tied to uh i believe it or I not glenn it, i saw an advertisement for this on wwe raw that makes a lot of sense. That's the audience you're aiming towards, I guess. Well, I mean, you know, um, you, you got Jesus in it, so. <laughs> uh, the, the the last big one opening. I've never movie. seen Ben Hur, so I didn't know Jesus was in it until they said Rodrigo Santoro is Jesus, and I was like, oh, I thought this was like pre Gladiator. Apparently, the first one was Jesus heavy, and apparently, the new one is even more Jesus heavy. So. Which is oh, weird. Isn't, isn't what the first one isn't it pretty much like isn't Gladiator just a ripoff of Ben Hur in a way? Maybe. Gladiator's great though. Yeah, you know, Gladiator's awesome. But uh, okay, I'm so just asking if did it rip it off. The uh so the big one is uh War Dogs this weekend, Miles Teller, Jonah Hill, uh Bradley Cooper, Kevin Pollock. Actually predictions are showing that it Kubo might Might be the big one? Yeah, it, they're predicting like uh, they're saying like it might make seventeen six, and then Sausage Party will be at seventeen two mm-hmm. with still Suicide Squad and first at so like twenty two million, yeah. and then War Dogs at about thirteen. That's not a great opening. Well, maybe it is for this. Which I kind of want to see War Dogs. I'm I'm, I'm going to rent it. I mean yeah. that'll happen. I'm not. I don't think I'm going to see this in theaters. Uh, it's on the teetering point. One hundred and fourteen reviews, fifty nine percent. So it is a mere percentage point away from freshness. Uh, War Dogs rises on the strength of Jonah Hill's compelling performance uh, to take a lightly entertaining look at the troubling real-world events. Uh, they basically play gun runners. So it's like the violent version of The Big Short? Mm-hmm. Which I thought was really good. 
Uh, it's on Netflix, everybody. I think the big short is. so. Yeah, it is. You should totally watch it. It's on my queue. Uh, it's, it's the best thing I've seen Margot Robbie in this year. I mean, it's not what I'm going to be watching right now when we close out the podcast. That's going to be this Jean-Claude Van Johnson thing on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I recommend everybody <laughs> go watch it because I'm way curious as to what the hell is going on on that show. So I'm going to go watch that. We're going to take off. Uh, as for the podcast, we're still working on uh getting on itunes believe it or not glenn uh i don't know what's going on with with itunes because it's our you you submit your your rss feed to itunes and the rss feed that i submitted is the same one that i've submitted to google play and i've submitted elsewhere and they accept it every time uh, and we are on places like Google Play and Stitcher. And yeah, Stitcher. just use Google Play. It's way easier. I uh, prefer it. And Google Play is is Google Play Music is great. And uh, I then go into input the RSS feed for iTunes podcasts, and I hit the validate button, and it validates it. And then I submit it, and every time I go in here, and here it is again, failed review. I don't know why it's not working. We're trying to get it back on iTunes. I don't know what went wrong. Apparently, iTunes thing is really fidgety and really shitty, and uh, we're doing our best to get it back onto iTunes, but for the time being, you can get it from the website, of course. Uh, so if you're using an iPhone, uh, it's easy enough to just go to com and listen to the podcast, uh, and we're going to do our best to get it back on iTunes ASAP. Uh, but for everybody else, you can check us out on Google Play Music, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Uh, although I think one of those is also out of date, so I'm going to go check in on that and find out what's going on. We may only be on two streaming and our email uh, subscription services, and of course the email, Glenn, is cinemageekly at gmail dot com. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, and we're also available on Twitter, Facebook, at Google Plus, uh, Instagram, all at Cinema Geekly. And uh, that's a wrap. I'm going to go watch this Jean Claude Van Johnson thing, and I'm going to try <laughs> to figure out. Why it's Jean-Claude Van Johnson and not Jean-Claude Van Damme. That, that eludes me. It's a mystery until I watch this show, and perhaps I will find out. Uh, so, yeah, that's it for Glenn Beauvais. I'm Anthony Lewis. We'll be back next week with more Cinema Geekly Podcast. Cinema Geekly.